Oh, I have to learn how to not to talk over people. Sorry. <laughs> do your do your intro. Come on. What? Wait. <laughs> Welcome to the In the Game Room podcast. This is Alan, and I am here with Chris today. Hello. And I'm also here with Michael today. Good afternoon. And for the first time ever, we have Corey. Thank you for having me. Oh, very nice. Our pleasure. Uh, for those who are listening at home, all 12 of you or whatever the number is lately, um, Corey has been a customer of my company for close to a decade, I think, and um, and one of our better customers, I must say. And we've never spoken, we've never met, but we've been emailing and texting for years on end. So this is kind of an interesting situation here. Uh, we're meeting for the first time on Skype. <laughs> so uh, looking at our agenda here, um, I, I, I wanted to start with, you know, he said, thank you for having me. And, and I would like to audit that, that sentiment at the end of the podcast to see if he is still grateful. Oh, okay. And, 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 and see if having him was worth it or not. We'll see. Right, right. <laughs> or being had by us. Really all well, great. okay, we're starting early tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rolling out the old podcast welcome here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michael, you remember your maiden voyage? <laughs> yes, thank goodness we didn't record that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not even sure Michael's a keeper yet. We're still on probation. <laughs> Yeah, I got a good return policy. You might want to exercise that. Yeah. Uh, Corey's actually the one who introduced me to your company and uh, showing off his terrains. One of the things that made me excited about GameCraft. So thank you for that, Corey. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, he's good. Corey, do you have a, a page or anything that I can look at to see your your stuff? Some of the stuff you've modeled. I, you know, I don't have a, a dedicated page, no, but I, I've got. A pretty decent variety of, of I think the the six millimeter line you know of, of GameCraft and it's primarily for for BattleTech. Um, gotcha. That's something I should should probably work on getting out there. I, I think if you go to the BattleTech group on Facebook, you're going to see a lot of posts from Corey and a lot of pictures. He's got an amazing collection of stuff. He's got stuff from my company that I don't own. He's got it all. I think he supplied a few catalog pictures for you too. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and and the instructions for the for the big uh, hotel that the sale the Burj Al Arab, I think it's called. That's an amazing piece. Yeah, that... I I really enjoy putting that together, and it's a it's a great kind of centerpiece for a board. Right, right. We were uh, we were watching TV last night, and we saw the the Burj Khalifa. And uh, Mike said, why don't you make a model of that? And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's going to be eight feet tall. <laughs> Maybe someday. I heard you're making a model. Yeah. What's that? I said, so I heard you, you're making a model. <laughs> <I'm> probably. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've, I've done an Eiffel Tower. I mean, what's next? Well, um, as long as we're here talking about this kind of stuff. Um, why don't you, Corey, just 
say a few words about like what games you play, um, you know, just kind of a little history. Okay, yeah, I uh, I got back into to gaming heavily about actually about six years ago, right after my daughter was born, and I needed something to do while I was uh, staying up late with her, and uh, it prompted me kind of diving full tilt back into BattleTech, which I play probably the most frequently. Um, aside from that, I play a lot of X-Wing, uh, my parents of white games, and their Armada game system quite a bit. Okay. Those are, those are probably my, my primary go-tos. All right. And you're looking into maybe starting another game system, I hear? Bolt action. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get to that in a minute, but uh, that's kind of our main topic tonight. But that's kind of cool. You're, um, in a way, you're kind of on the road that I was on. I played 6mm games exclusively for ever, for decades. And then a couple of years ago, I discovered Bolt Action, and I went to 28mm. So that's looks like you're kind of on that same trajectory for some reason. Yeah, it's been, it's been an interest of mine. I've been going kind of chicken and screaming to 28mm just because I've got so much the six uh, millimeter terrain, right? Um, I'm honestly a little terrified of that notion of of, of diving into the landscape. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the buildings are bigger. Yeah, the vehicles and, and the the figures look very nice, and uh, seeing some of the the paint that you lay down on them is is definitely enticing me that direction. Right on. All right, so. Uh... Let's get into let's get into hobby time. Um, according to the agenda, I'm on the top because I'm the most important person here. So I'll start. Anybody have a problem with that? Well, that's not what you said when you called me first. <laughs> but you can go. Okay. So I've been working. I think I mentioned on the last podcast. I think it was just you and me, Chris. Um, I mentioned that I've been working on the the Winter Germans from Warlord. Um, and that's continuing. the The army is growing, and I'm having a really good time with it. I can't remember if I talked last time about the the whole metal figures versus plastic figures or not. Do you remember, Chris? Uh, I, yeah, I no. How about that? Okay. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> Apparently, neither was I. But I'm still not. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so ever since I started building bolt action figures i've really really loved the uh the plastic figures because the different options they give you with you know different weapons different arms things like that so i've, I've really been preferring them but uh lately i've just kind of gone the other way and i'm going back into metals with the wet with the winter germans because i find that the plastic germans are while they're excellent sculpts they're just they're all the same. They're all just guys walking around in, in the great coats, and there's not a whole lot of variety. I mean, you could change arms and change weapons, but, but they all look they all look the same when they're all standing around. So I've been mixing in a lot of metal miniatures with that, and uh, I'm really liking the way that mixes up the army. So, I may be going from all plastic to a, a mix, um, <clears throat> but they're coming out really good, and I'm happy with them. And I like the 
the snow on the bases and stuff. So that's been fun. Um, the other thing I've been working on along with the winter Germans is a, uh, a Panzer IV from Rubicon. It's their J model that has the photo etched side skirts. And I put that thing together a couple of weeks ago and then I just finally painted it a couple of days ago. And boy, that model is just, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, if anybody that's built a 35th scale Tamiya model, that's the quality, just in a smaller size. So, uh, so that's been really fun getting that done. And I tried a, a, a whitewash on that. Didn't come out exactly the way I thought it would, but I think it still looks pretty good. Yeah, I really like it. It looks neat. You like it? I I went uh, I went a little heavy on the weathering, I think, but that's I wanted like a real late war, tired ass tank. Like it's been, you know, it's been out there for a while, and I I think I got that. But uh, it's a cool that's... cool model. Yeah, I think when I saw it, I was like, eh, something doesn't look right. But as I've looked at it over and over again, it does look. It looks used. Okay, that, that, that's what. <laughs> very used. That was the look. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think the, it looks cool. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, I had a question about uh, you working with metal and plastic miniatures. Uh -huh. Do you find yourself more comfortable with uh, one material versus the other, or yeah. at this point in your hobby career, do you do you just good with everything? No, the plastic. The plastics are easier to work with. Um, and the metal miniatures, I'll qualify that by saying metal miniatures are fine if the entire miniature is cast in one piece, except maybe the head. But if you have to put arms on and put weapons on and stuff on a metal miniature, that's a giant pain in the ass. I mean, even with, you know, CA glue, uh, you get parts sticking to you and stuff like that. So I still prefer the, if I have to build a miniature from pieces, I still prefer the plastic for sure. But a lot of the a lot of the metal ones are single piece, and even the ones that don't have a head attached, I've been using the plastic heads for for uniformity. So my whole army, you know, they all look the same, or you know, reasonably the same. So to answer yeah, your question, I, I like the the, the specter because they're one piece metal, right? But you're right, when you've got to start gluing stuff together, like I had uh, the Warlord Japanese, and I forget the name of the, the dudes that I had, but there were three pieces, and I don't know, I just, I hated it. I hated working the metal with those. Yeah, it's it's tough. If that CA doesn't stick right away, pieces just start falling off, and yeah, you stick your fingers to it and stuff. It's kind of annoying. What do you, uh, Corey, what do you prefer in, in miniatures, metal or plastic? I like the weight of metal, and that's what I've probably worked most with, so I'm, I'm more comfortable with it. I've been doing plastics recently, um, and you know the, the, the trade-off with them is it seems like they are more consistent, and, and some of the detail can be really, really fine on the, the plastic ones where, you know, with the metal, you can run into the mold lines that are you know, not in the most ideal places. Right. Um, so I do like the, the crispness of the, the plastics that I've been seeing coming out lately. Okay. What I do for the uh, for the weight, I prefer the weight of the metal too. So with my bolt action figures, and Chris does this, I think Michael might do it too now, we put uh, one-inch washers on the bottom of the base to give it a little weight. And it also 
it's good for storage when you've got magnetic sheets. So, yeah, that that works. That works amazing. Alan showed me that. Um, he's probably within the first couple of months of us meeting, and and it was uh, it's a game changer because you used to knock your model and it flip over real easy, but with that weight on the bottom, it's not you know like the full metal miniature. It still can get kind of wobbly, but with that weight mm -hmm. on the bottom, and it, it is. It's not going anywhere. Right. So that's, I think that's everything I'm working on. Oh, the uh, the last thing. The uh, Stalingrad book came out for bolt action, and one of the special rules in there, or one of the additional pieces of equipment the Germans can get is these inflatable boats. Um, and I'm working on a, a master for one of those right now. It's going to be a, a product that I'll sell. It'll be a resin casting. But I wanted to do some boats and then put some Germans in the back rowing and stuff like that. I thought it would be kind of fun. So I've been working on that too. And that, yeah, that thing looks cool. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I think it's going into rubber tonight if I have time and then I'll, I'll cast up like three or four first masters and then I'll modify each one with different cargo in them and oars and things like that. And then I'll have a set of like three or four different ones you can buy and then you can add your dudes so those will be kind of cool. Nice. So what are you working on, Chris? Um, well, with the nonsense that's going on in the planet, um, <laughs> I, I work, you know, dang near in the heart of downtown L.A., and that impacts my business. I've got, you know, 25 or so employees, and, and they're all over the place in distribution and it's uh, it's been kind of crazy so when I get home it's you know I'm spending a lot of time at work so when I get home there's not a lot of time for the kids on the weekend it's been busy however um, last weekend was a lot of fun um, I got a wild hair up the old tuchus and took one of Alan's uh, wind roses and painted it and put some waves on it because I really wanted to play with that gel again. I that stuff's so much fun. I need about ten more bottles of that. <laughs> or if you can buy it in a fifty-five gallon drum, let me know. That's from uh, Green Stuff World, right? Yeah. Their splash gel or something like that they call it. Yeah, and that was like I, I just played with that just to. I'm gonna need a couple more so I can wind roses so I can make it look really the way I want it to. It's it's too dark. It's too red. Um, but I painted it up, and, and I think I posted it on the uh, on the messenger there. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a lot of fun. I think I was in that about an hour. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I didn't you know I didn't prime it or anything. I just put paint on it because I was I just you know I found that I had an hour's worth of time and I wanted to mess with it. Um, I did break the needle because I was trying to because the needle on your windrows kind of covers the entire square piece. Right. So with the waves there, it, it wouldn't move anymore. So I tried to cut it down and then drill a hole to put the magnet in it. And yeah, MDF and, and me were just not friends. <laughs> You're going to need a new arrow for it then. I can hook you up. I'll need a new arrow for it, yeah. Um, but I think it looks pretty neat. Like I said, I'm going to probably do some different colors. I think the red is too dark. Um, but I thought it turned out pretty fun. And then my... My son, my youngest son for, God, I think it was Christmas. Yeah, it was probably Christmas. He gave me the USS Kitty Hawk, 
um, as a model. I'm trying to think what scale that was, 1-800 maybe. Yeah, look, looking at the uh, what you posted. Go ahead, go ahead, Michael. Sorry. Uh, looking at what you posted, have you thought about um, adding some orange on the eastern side and uh, maybe some purple on the western side? Like, uh, add some uh, change on there, like the sun's coming up, or uh, allude to some oh, on the wind sunset rows? on the windrows. Yeah. Oh, just make a sunset on it? Yeah, because yeah, if you don't like the dark red, you're going to go in and mess with it with some, like an orange glaze or a wash, or a purple wash. Maybe you could uh, add some, uh, something so it looks, it draws your eye into the center. Yeah. That might be kind of cool. I'll need to make you a shorter uh, arrow that doesn't go beyond the circle, right? Yeah, okay. Right. And looking at the waves, I didn't realize it in the picture. I was like, oh my God, like this bleed over, but it's not. It's the shadow from the waves because it made those peaks pretty high. Oh. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that that's what you were talking about at the uh, the last episode I was on where you're, you're going to, or the, the wave gels, what you wound up using right. to tie in the bases to the, to the water. That's, it looks really good. Looks like yeah, a great product. <laughs> and that's something. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but that USS Kitty Hawk from Academy, and that thing turned out pretty nice. We just um, we just put it together, you know, as a I haven't painted it or anything like that, you know. I just I just put it together. Uh, I haven't built a you know a, a non-gaming model in forever, and uh, I would say that my skills from dealing with 28 millimeter. Uh, now to this it's actually you know i'm actually doing all right i was pretty happy with it built it in a day so oh that's cool nice it's not perfect but you know it was fun to build and my kids you know my kids were well, especially the youngest one who gave it to me he's like i'm really glad you're building it and i'm like god i feel like crap it's been sitting there <laughs> i have a lot michael of... knows the pain of the guilt of a child so <laughs> Um, and then messing with some Black Sea stuff, um, I'm starting to put more rigging on my ships, um, you know, and then every day looking at my, you know, my closet of shame where I've got, you know, my Africa core and my DAC and my, God, just everything, Jesus, Star Wars Legion and all of that stuff. <laughs> um, though Jack, my eldest and I, we started playing the, um, FFG's uh, Star Wars RPG, uh -huh. Forces Destiny, the, the the Jedi part. I don't know if you guys have ever played, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that. But this game's pretty fun because you know he's not a great painter, and really all he wants to do is play with the miniatures. Um, you know, occasionally he'll play a game, but it's more about just setting up the scene and you know, video and do stop action on it and stuff like that. But uh, the RPG man, he's really he's really getting into it. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. Is it easy to pick up. Say that again. Is it easy to pick up? It's not hard. It's not hard. You know, it's crazy. Is um, 
I used to play craps. I used to love going to Vegas and play craps. Um, and everybody's like, I don't even know how you can play that game. It's such a big table, and there's so many numbers everywhere. And it's, I'm like, well, there's a really simple formula, right? You only worry about what's directly in front of you. Right? Don't worry about the other side of the table. And I think with FFG, how I can translate that or with this with this Star Wars RPG is there's dice, very specific dice that are used for this game. And if you just you just stop and don't overthink it, it's really, really simple. You know, you're just building a pool of dice, you know, like you would in bolt action. It's like, all right, well, 18 guys are shooting. I grab 18 six-sided dice, and bam, here we go. Um, with this is, you know, this skill is a 10-sided die, and this skill is a 8-sided die, and this skill is a 12-sided die. And you just build your pool of dice, and what's cool about it is you're rolling against yourself with these odds. So it's not like if I'm shooting, you know, an NPC, right, you know, the, the game master's side of the game, if I'm shooting against them, it's like, okay, well, it's, it's difficult, so that's two dice, right? He's behind cover. You're going to need a third dice, and then you just roll all of your success dice versus all their challenge dice, put it in a big pool, roll them all, and the end result is however many hits versus how many deflects, and if you've got more hits than deflects, you get to hit. And then any hit above and over their deflects, uh, is an extra point of damage. It's really, really simple. Like we don't want to get into it, but it's really, really simple. Um, I think the hardest part is trying to figure out how the force abilities work and if it can get. But it's not about the dice. I think everybody looks at the dice and like, oh, I'm not doing this. There's too much dice stuff, and it's it's really simple. Huh. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Anything and to that's something. That, go ahead. Anything to get the kid involved. That's good. Right, and it's something like um, my wife's brother, he played D&D, and he also played, um, what's that lame-ass game that's got a 1,000 in it? Um, oh, yeah, 40K. Yeah. Um, so he played that, you know, back back in college and, and out of high school and into college. Um, so he's into, like, miniatures, and then also, more specifically, he really likes RPGs. So we were looking at doing some of that stuff over Skype or, you know, something like that because you don't really all need to be in the same room so anyway right right and who doesn't love star wars so what are you doing michael what are you working on uh struggling with work-life balance uh lately i've been uh moving ahead on um a project that's sort of stalled out it's a uh, group of six Blue Star Irregular Battletech miniatures that I'm doing for Corey. Um, you know, looking forward to sending that, those over to him at like the start of like 2022 at this pace. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I sent the, uh, I think I sent the picture, but what really helped was uh, working on some of those separate detailed urban um, hex bases and trying out some different ideas uh, separate from the unit and just weathering them up like it's a in a city that hasn't seen the best of time so it's been fun to to pick up on something like that because i've not done urban decay before mm-hmm. in a six millimeter scale and that's been a that's been interesting and it's always fun to work on a project for someone else because like there's some self-imposed pressure with man someone's gonna look at this i gotta <laughs> gotta be next level right you know and, 
that's not how gifts work. Usually people are like, man, that's really thoughtful of you giving me something. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah, what I'm working on. Oh. Your, your picture's been really impressive. And just to jump in on that, yeah, Alan, those those new X spaces, your your urban rubble are are really impressive. Oh, thank you. Those, those are a really nice touch. They have... And if you haven't seen Mike's uh, pictures of, of what he's done with those bases recently, you should definitely check them out because they are eye-popping. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he sends me pictures of them. They look great. Yeah, that those bases... Um... Yeah, I'm not bragging, but I mean, they've been really super popular. It surprised me because I didn't realize how sort of perfect they were for Battletech. And that's not really what I made them for. I just made them as, you know, generic hex, you know, bases. But the Battletech guys have really gone crazy over them. So that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, those are cool. And they work good for the, uh, I mean, if you want to use hex bases for like, you know, Spectre Ops or the, you know, the 28 millimeter uh you know modern stuff they work pretty good for that too but we have round ones for those too so i do like your round ones i i wish i could get them with a uh, a recess for a, a 3 16th diameter magnet um oh, on, that's what i use for on my the bottom. 20 millimeter bases yeah yeah that would that looks like it's the underside of the mold so that would be harder yeah it'd be hard to do mold. It'd be a two but, um, be a two part mold, and I'd have to charge you twice as much. Oh, they're pretty ridiculously cheap <laughs> as far as detailed bases. But um, yeah, I posted pictures on the uh, the Discord server I set up for the group, and um, I don't know if you want to send that link out in the show notes this time, Alan. Oh, okay. There's a a friend of the show um, Discord server and channel. If anyone wants to come in and I'll say hello. I'll do that for sure. I go ahead. On, on that mold um, for those hex bases, is the mold open top? Yes. Or do you have it's open top. The... Well, then just throw a magnet in when you're molding it. Come on. Oh, uh, you got to get the orientation right, and um, and it might sink to the bottom, which is the top of the part. I'll just put like a little piece of metal on. See, look, it, it doesn't matter to me because I'm not the one that has to do it. I just want to make the extra work for you. Oh, okay, that's fine. Then uh, go right. go after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you might be onto something. I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna look into that. I'll, I'll make it. An... And then you can charge double, right? You can charge double anyway. Well, I, I threatened to, so I better. Right. I'd be a wimp if I didn't. Okay, I'm I'm right. I'm literally writing this down. Magnet on hex bases. All right, I'll uh, I'll think about that. I've I've got I got an idea. It's very rare that that happens, but I just got one. So I know you were looking for more to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so anything else, Michael? You working on or just that that project? just that because i tend to have a uh, hobby aid it's not really add because that's an actual thing but a <laughs> lack of focus at my hobby time where i sit down and start a project and then i turn around and start organizing stuff and don't advance on my projects so yeah this is what i'm focusing on and uh looking forward to getting these out right on yeah. so what are you up to Corey? what are you working on well, um, 
see here. Recently, I've completed a kind of an idiotic project that I started with um, Star Wars Armada. They, for Fantasy Flight Games, um, produces these beautiful kind of painted starships. Right. Uh, but then their their squadrons are just standard plain plastic, and and each of the ships is about three millimeters in in size. They're they're really small. Um, and I decided that I was going to paint and decal all of them. Um, so after I think about 180 ships, and Jeez. it was about 1,500 water slides, I, I completed it. Uh, a little, little mind-numbing, a little tedious, but was happy with the end result. I will never, ever contemplate doing something like that again. Um, but that, that was one of my recent side projects. I've been working on a, um, a large drop ship for, for Battletech that's about the size of a basketball. And I'm, I'm to the point where it just needs a, a panel wash and, and it's done, but I'm, I'm, pausing right now i'm trying to figure out what color to to panel line it with so i've got a little bit of this uh, you know panic going on so those two things and then aside from that actually i've been doing uh relevant to tonight's conversation but a little bit of an exploratory uh build and paint of some bolt action tanks nice um, so assembled one of the uh the rubicon stug through uh, these, and then I actually had a Black Panther four that I had picked up uh, a few years back, and it's literally sat in a box on the shelf uh, <laughs> to purchase it. So that that was enough to prompt me. Um, so, anyways, I've I've laid down some base colors and started painting the uh, the tracks and wheels, and kind of getting ready to do the weathering phase on those. But really enjoyed the models; they are just wonderfully detailed. I, I know you had kind of espoused the, you know, the, the pros of the, the Rubicon models and, and they really hold up. They're nice models. They are really good. So I've enjoyed. Yeah. Well, that's cool. There's so much more surface area on a 28 millimeter model too, which is, I think both the blessing and the curse. So. <laughs> yeah, and now you have to paint the shovels and the tools and the, all those right. little things because they matter now. Exactly. Well, that's cool. Okay. Um, anything else? That's been it primarily. That's it. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, I, go ahead. Sorry. I I gotta say, you guys would love seeing that drop ship. It's at the opposite end of the scale from the. The 28 millimeter that Corey's, you know, maybe getting into. Yeah, but, no, there's no, yeah. there's no maybe. He's in. Yeah. <laughs> Is it um, true? The, Gamecraft left to send us uh, start selling storage lockers. <laughs> <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna send a truck over to his house. Um, that dropship thing. I think I've seen pictures of it online. Maybe not Corey's model, but is it a kit that's available? Are there several people yeah, building yeah. these things? It's a, it's a printed kit. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a very highly detailed um, mech scale uh, dropship. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll share some pictures. Okay. Yeah, I, th I, th I think I've seen. So I don't know if I've seen pictures of the one you're working on or somebody else or whatever, but I see it pop up 
in, in the groups on Facebook every once in a while. So that, yeah, that's, that's cool. The one thing that's huge, if it's the size yeah. of a basketball, that's gigantic. Yeah. It is. And uh, thank God for, for airbrushes. Um, and it's actually it's been a really good this and a couple of uh, recent previous projects where I really just started using uh, chipping medium. And it's been a great opportunity to, to learn on that. You know, and the beauty of chipping is you, you lay that down. You don't like what you, you do, just wash it off. Right. Um, you know, so, so it's kind of alleviates some of that stress that, that I get when I'm, I'm painting. I'm worried that I've got something that maybe looks halfway decent, and I'm, I'm pretty much assured myself that I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a good experience to, to figure out some of those and, and how to create weathering that, that looks you know, realistic for a, a sci-fi vehicle. I think I'm going to, once I get a little better at the, the chipping thing, I think I'm going to do like a little video tutorial. Somebody actually wrote me today and said, hey, I saw your Panzer. Do you, do you have a video of how to do that? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm just learning. But uh, I think we need yeah. we need to do something like that. I would love to see you do uh, a video on that, that wash that you put on that Panzer 4. Okay. I will, that looks really nice. I will try that. Okay, let's yeah. let's take a little break here for a second. I usually like to stop the recording and restart it to make sure that we don't lose anything, and then we'll come right back and pick up with our main topic. All right, guys? Yep. All right, guys, we're back from the break. I hope you enjoyed the music. Some of you are laughing at that, and others are scratching their heads right now. Um, but we're back. We're going to talk about our main topic today. We've already kind of hinted at it a few times that uh, Corey is here because he is considering getting into bolt action. So I thought it would be really fun or interesting or neither to have an episode where we take a complete newbie and field his questions and get him, reel him into the game. So rather than me sit here and read what you wrote, Corey, why don't you just hit us with a question? And, and Alan, I wanted to... I wanted... I wanted to say real quick, Alan, is, is when you said, you know, what he wanted from us, um, I, I wrote down, you know, hey, tell him to listen to Snafu if he wants to know the rules because, you know, yeah, they're, they're much better at it. Than we yeah, are. much better. <laughs> <laughs> and tell him to send you your dice. Oh, yeah, whatever. Hopefully they're listening. <laughs> they're not. So, Corey, hit us. What do you got? All right. So, you know, it's... It, Bolt action is something I've, I've been looking at for a while, and when you look at their basically their library of, of product, it, it's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously there's there's starter kits, um, there's you know individual add-on accessories, there's dice, there's books, and so yeah, that's one of my questions is you know what what books or for that matter you know what other things beyond books or, you know, an introductory kit is important for a new player to pick up? And, and what would you recommend somebody like me who is, is looking at the game system, um, you know, and suggest that I, I pick up a copy of? Okay. Um, who wants to start? I can start. Whatever. Well, I, I think 
I think for me is is you know one was having Alan around to be able to play test stuff to see what I liked in an army. Uh, I landed on Japanese, um, and so it was fun to have Alan to to game with because you know one he's a friend, so there's no judgment. You know he's just he just wanted to show me what's going on and and. Right. And it was it was fun that way, so that I could learn what units work for me. Um, then I found Easy Army, um, which would allow me to peruse through all of the different lists um, that you could put together. Now it's not it's not specifically telling you what how many of each unit to take, but it's telling you what is available in this. Is that what they're called, Alan? Is just they're just lists. Yeah, yeah, army list. Yeah, yeah so an army list. So it kind of helps you build an army list which tells you what book or where you're going to find this specific army or this specific platoon. Um, and that helped me to decide what books I wanted to get. Um, so for me, that's what, you know, I kind of did it so that I could see what style I wanted to play. So I knew that was the army I wanted. Um, how did they play? And then I looked at easy army to figure out what books I want to read up on so that I knew um, how to build a correct list. Hey guys, Alan here. Uh, we actually had a little software glitch and just lost a few seconds of audio. So I just wanted to throw this in here real quick so the uh, transition wouldn't be weird. Let's get back to the show. So, yeah, so that's all I've got. <laughs> that's all you got, okay. <laughs> um, I would, normally if somebody was starting and didn't even have any idea what army they wanted to play or whatever, I would automatically recommend the, the Band of Brothers starter set. Because that's the one box you can buy that has everything you need to sit down and play. Has the book, has the dice, has figures, uh, whatever else it has. It has everything. It has everything you need to play a game. Um, but it sounds like you might be leaning towards uh, Africa Corps and maybe British, I think. Is that correct, Corey? Yeah, the North African campaign okay. is... Of interest to me, then so that that's where I. Yeah, then I probably wouldn't recommend that starter set. Um, obviously, you need to get the rule book. Um, the individual army books are are a great thing to have. The uh, the the rule book will have the basic structures of the of the basic armies: Americans, Soviets, British, and German. I think only. Um, but then the the army books go into more depth and more units and stuff like that. So, um, so for you, I would probably actually recommend the rule book, the army book for the for the Germans, which would actually be the uh, uh, the German book, and then also the um, there's a campaign book, Desert War, I think. Western. What's Western that? Desert. Western mm -hmm. Desert campaign book. That has a lot of really cool stuff in it. And oh, then, yeah. And then, of course, the normal stuff, the dice and the order dice and then figures. Um, when it comes to figures, usually the best bargain is the thousand-point army boxes, which are right around about 100 bucks plus or minus. Um, those are the best deal. However, you're probably not going to play a thousand points very often, if ever. Um, so some of the smaller boxes are sometimes a, a better deal, I think, because of the fact that, you know, you're just buying what you need. You won't have a lot of extra stuff. But 
and, and let me, there's a, probably a little caveat to that is, is when you're building an army, I found like with my Japanese, I have way more, way more dudes than I need, but some are modeled with a submachine gun. And, and, and in this game, unless you're playing with friends, right, it's, it's, it's as modeled. So you're going to have to have a lot of rifle guys, but I have some platoons where I'm using a lot of submachine gun guys or, you know, just different variants and so for me, it's like getting that big, I mean, because Alan, what did I get? I got the starter box and then two extra of yeah. 24 dudes, 36 yeah. dudes. Yeah, I think so. You got the 1,000-point starter army and then, yeah, and those two boxes that have 30 or 40 guys in them. Right, and so I could model them up um, based off of, again, how I looked at Easy Army and then ultimately into the book. Um, on how I wanted them to look, depending on how many different armies I wanted, because sometimes you'll play in a jungle or sometimes you'll play, you know, in an urban development or an, an urban board. And so for me, it was good to have different ones because it's as modeled. Yeah. Any of that, any, any of that helpful? <laughs> yeah, that absolutely is. You know, I was looking at, uh, well, I was looking at the, um, the German uh, DAK uh, starter set, you know, and I, I was wondering, you know, how many machine gun groups do you need? How many mortars do you need? Because it looks like the box comes with, you know, one of each or right. uh, one one squad worth. But, you know, functionally, there's, you know, what comes in the box and there's also what you play. Right. Um, that's but Chris, that makes sense. You've got flexibility in, in what you can put on the board, particularly if it is what you see is what you get. Yeah, that's where uh, either either the Army book or, or the Easy Army website will help you out a lot because then you'll be able to see, like, yeah, I can only have one mortar, so there's no point in owning two. Um, you know, I can only have one of these, so, you know, why own two? Um, and then there's special things like, when you're playing the Western Desert campaigns, you'll see that there's a, there are um, light machine gun squads, so you can actually have more light machine guns than you normally could in other uh, theaters. Like in Europe, in the European theater, I think each squad can have a light machine gun in the Germans, but in the Western Desert, each squad can have a light machine gun, plus you can have separate light machine gun squads. So you can really load up on light machine guns, which is a really good thing to do. So getting in there and actually kind of planning out a, an army in advance helps you, helps you know, <clears throat> excuse me, helps you know what to buy. And we all, I think we all have trouble with that. I, I have a lot of trouble. I open up a box and just start building shit. And then all of a sudden I'm putting together an army and go, oh, I don't have enough guys with rifles. Also it helps when you're in a game store, right? <laughs> It helps a little, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, next question. Yeah, so, you know, I think you, you kind of alluded to that the starter sets have a 1,000 points, and, you know, I guess one of the questions is how big is a standard game? How long does it take to play? Um, you know, how many, how many squads or units are you placing on a board for a typical game? Right, right. Well, Tournament games and friendly games between friends are two different animals. Tournament games are always going to be about a thousand to fifteen hundred points. Usually, usually, if you're getting together with a couple of buddies to play, you're probably going to want to play somewhere between like three hundred and five hundred points. Um, 
because that's a manageable size for a game that can last about two or three hours, usually five or six turns. What do you think of that, Chris? That sound about no, that, that's, that's about right, yeah, and that's, it, it plays into that thousand-point army that you're getting is that, you know, there may be some rare instances where you're going to need two or want two mortars where you can just go out and buy that extra mortar. Um, but that thousand point army, it's going to allow you to play in a tournament with 800 to a thousand points or against your friends in different environments in that five or 600 range. Um, I'm, I'm sure you'll find you'll get the box set, right? And you're still going to want to buy a few more things just, just to model them um, how you want them modeled. Right. Uh, but you know that's that's going to be your individual. If you're if you're looking to get into tournaments, the thousand point army may not be enough. But if you're just going to play with friends in that that five, six, seven, and maybe as big as eight, uh, that thousand points is is more than enough. And and if you like tanks, they eat up points real fast. Yes, they do. <laughs> do you have another friend that's uh, getting into this, Corey, or are you going to be? buying both sides to get someone to come play with you for the first few games until you draw someone else into the fold. Or am I going to be driving six hours yeah. to play with bolt action? Yes. Yeah, where are you or, located? Or I'm, way. I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, okay. I was going to say, you, guys... you were out this way. I've got both back and the, um, the African British. Um, I've got both sets, so you could come and look at them. Nice. Do you want to meet halfway? No. (laughs) That would be like Oklahoma or something. I have a tendency to define full full game system. So I I fully envision myself if I jump into this, that Alan, you'll be sending me a lot of Germans and probably a lot of British. Okay. Oh. So, so if you may be buying enough for a friend, yeah, always for a friend, right? Um, That's right. Is there a, does that change what's recommended? Like, is there an easy two-player uh, starter box or something? Well, there is just that one, the uh, the uh, Band of Brothers box. That that's it's U.S. and German European theater, and it's honestly it's. The miniatures, it's not a lot of miniatures, but it's just enough, to, literally, just to get you started. But there isn't the... Yeah, there isn't, like... I think they should have more than one starter box, uh, like the Band of Brothers box. They should also have, like, a DAC box or something that includes both sides, but they don't. So that's their loss. So is that something that... Do those factions appeal to you, Corey? And Alan and Chris, would you recommend that box if they did? The Ameri- or is that just... The Americans and Germans? Yeah, the, the one two-player box that exists. Like, is that a good jumping-off point, or is that awkward to build from? It's, it's the most economical way to get started, but I don't necessarily think it's the best if you already know what you want to do. Because ultimately, you end up using any of those European, Germans, or British um, because he wants to play the Western Desert um, theme. Yeah, so, yeah, like I said, normally I would recommend that box to almost anyone that's just starting, but I think where Corey's at right now, that's probably not the best way to go. 
because then he's going to get miniatures that he'll never use. That, of course, happens in every game system. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. <laughs> Lines your shells. And all, all of the, uh, one of the things you asked about was, you know, how long a game lasts. I think about two to three hours is probably pretty average. Um, all of the scenarios and all of the books are like five or six turns. Um, however, there's nothing saying you can't just, you know, fight to the end. And we've done it many times. Um, but usually, you know, five or six turns is an average game. And that's about two to three hours. Okay. Coming from, from Battletech, that's a relatively short game. Yeah. That's kind of opening, opening moves in Battletech. And quite often when we play, like I've got a real small group here that I play with once a week. Um, sometimes we'll get to the sixth turn and go, well, there's still a lot of units on the board. We still got time. Let's just keep going. And and we do. You know, nothing says you have to stop. But a lot of the scenarios are written so that, you know, you achieve a certain thing by a certain turn number. And that's a, you know, that's a victory condition. So that's why the turn numbers are important. But friendly games between friends, turn numbers almost don't even matter. Right. And, and that's those, those scenarios are, are based for tournament play. And so they're all set up for the, for, you know, for five rounds. But to, to Alan's point is, you know, Alan and I, I think we've done like an eight or 10 turn game just playing. Yeah. And we, and I personally have never played a scenario straight out of the book. Yeah. A lot of people, you, you'll sit down at a con or something they want to play and they're like, well, so what scenario you want to play? I'm like, I don't give a shit. Just put miniatures on the board and let's start fighting. And they look at me like I'm crazy and probably am. I don't know. Not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and for tournaments, do you have to, uh, do you have to field specific forces or, you know, I mean, if it's, is it going to be geared towards like, Operation Market Garden, where you've got to bring just appropriate miniatures, or some, could you bring yes. Russians? Or some maybe, some not. Um, some some tournaments have a theme, others don't. Usually, it's just they'll tell you a a, a point uh, a point limit, and uh, you put together your army and send it in for approval. Um, there's situations where an allied army might be fighting against another allied army just because that's the way the tournament pairings came up. But I, I most, most of the time they try to, you know, avoid that. Yeah. The tournament will usually have a theme, but your army does not necessarily have to conform to that theme. They'll give you very specific rules on your platoon. Some won't allow flamethrower tanks, for example, um, and some other things that, like, they don't, like a chaplain, like, we don't, we're not going to allow you to have a chaplain, but for the most part, you know, run what you're wrong. Um, and with some limitations. Does, does the game delineate between, like, early, mid, and late war? Yes. Or, or does it factor that into point values? It's factored into point values, and you can actually play, like, an early war Italians versus late war British or something, and... The, the Italians will have like a million men, and the and the British will have fifteen, because of the point value right. differences. And then some people, some tournaments, and some games, they'll say, "I want early, mid, or late," and you have to build an army, you know, around that. 
but uh, but yeah, it's right. pos- it's possible to play early versus late, mid versus early, whatever, and it and it pretty much balances out with the points. Pretty much. So, what's the next the next question on the agenda? Here. The. Uh, yeah, what's your favorite British tank, and why is it the Matilda II? <laughs> it's it's not. It's the Stuart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I like the Matilda, but I'm I'm rather fond of the Stuart. The Stuart is uh, a lot of people love the Stuart, the the early the M3 Stuart because it has like five machine guns. So it's it's, okay. it's just a rolling machine gun nest, and when you're fi- firing all those machine guns at once at one target, you're rolling twenty three dice. Alan, that's the one my Japanese army has, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whoops. Captured Stuart. That's impressive. Yeah. So that's uh. So that's the favorite. It's a lot of dice. A lot of dice. The British can use it. The Americans can use it. I, I'm pretty sure the the Soviets can use it as well. Um, yeah, it's a fun little model. It's fun to play, especially if you're rolling up against somebody who hasn't experienced it before and doesn't understand what it can do. And then all of a sudden, you throw 23 dice at them. They're like, "What the hell did you just do?" Well, you know. Hey, let me borrow some. That I'm going to use shoot my Stuart. <laughs> Oh, and it has a. Uh, you know. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It has a. It has an anti-tank gun too, but nobody uses it. It's just machine guns, always. Okay. You know, along the commentary of, of armor, do you see a lot of armor in the game, or do people gravitate more towards playing infantry squads? Infantry squads mostly. There's um. There's a limit to the amount of armor you can have, and usually it's one. And it's either a tank or an armored car or or a few transports. Transports you can get a couple of. But I don't think there's many cases where you'd have more than one tank. Unless you get into, um, there is a supplement for bolt action called Tank War. And it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. You can field, you know, five or six tanks versus five or six tanks. And that's, um, <clears throat> it's the same game, but it's a, a variant of it. Yeah, but when you're when you're looking at 800 points, or even among friends, you're looking at 600 points, and 200 of those are a tank. You know that that's 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 a lot of points to be wasted on on one unit. Um, and right. That's that that you know quite honestly, it it could be ignored. Um, I know I I do my best to ignore tanks. The, o- the only reason why I have the steward is when I play Alan, he brings a tank. And so I just something that that he's going to be distracted by, um, so that my Japanese can chase him down again. It is a it is a very common uh, strategy in this game to ignore the tank, because the the tank can only do so much damage, but you can really overreact to it and and dedicate too many resources to trying to fight it, when you're probably not going to destroy it. So a lot of people just pretend it's not there and go about their business and hope they make it to turn six. <laughs> just an obstacle. Yeah. The tank is just, you just stay away from it. 
but I, th- I think they're fun. I think yeah. the Stewart's fun. I was going to... Go ahead. I was going to ask, when you guys say ignore it, do you mean, like, walk in and walk like you're engaging it, but just don't direct any fire at it? Or no, is no, it now no, an area of denial piece where you avoid, move around it yeah, to you deny gotta, it? Yeah, yeah, avoid it. You've got to go somewhere else. Find a different way okay. to where you're going and just stay away from it. Try to try to stay where it can't shoot you. Okay. Especially, so, especially you know, if you uh, don't have a tank. If, some, if, if right. you ignore it too much, it'll it'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Okay. So then the challenge with bringing one of those is you got to put it where you don't want the enemy, or or put it where. Yeah. Where if they ignore it, you've won the game. Yes, you could put it on an on an objective or, or near an objective. Or in an area you don't want people to go, it it definitely works for what it's made for. Interesting. And if, if you're playing, you know, like you're you're playing and and you know a tank's there, or or you just kind of assume is, is you'll just equip a couple of your your infantry squads with anti-tank, um, and if it becomes a nuisance where it's sitting on an objective or it's too close to something you're trying to get to, you can send a couple of. Uh, of infantry squads flanking and they can really only focus on one and your other will take it out. So, you know, it, 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 it can get funky. So you ignore it. And, you know, the, sometimes you just let them ignore it because if you've got enough people with anti-tank or, or a way to combat that, if it becomes a nuisance, you know, you can drop it, you know, with a couple of units, it may cost you, but, you know, you, you right. lose a unit of, of 120 points and drop their 200-point tank, you know, you, you're kicking them in the teeth a little harder than they want to get kicked. Always nice to trade up like that. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, they're, they're fun. They're, um, they bring a, a, different, a different challenge to the game. And then, like I said, there is, that, there is that supplement, Tank War, and I kind of brought that up because it's sitting on my desk right now because... I'm actually looking hard at tank war supplement and thinking about trying it in six millimeter. I think that might be kind of fun. Oh. That would be neat. Yeah. Just put out, you know, about three or four squads of, you know, five tanks on each side and play a nice little tank battle. I think that might be kind of fun. And yep. With, with tank war, don't you have to have, um, like tank riders or a platoon or a couple of squads of dudes for you, it to actually game. You don't have to, but um, I was just looking at the. Uh, I was looking at the, the. Hold on a second. I'm turning to it now. One of the first pages in here is the, the makeup of a, armored platoon section. Is uh, the platoon selector? It's one command tank, and two additional tanks. Plus, okay, that's required. So you're up to three tanks already. Plus zero to two more tanks. Zero to three infantry squads. And then it goes on to like zero to one lieutenant, zero to one medic, forward observer, machine gun team. You can add all these things, you know, for points. So basically it's it's at least three tanks and up to five tanks. And then some, and then some additional things, up, up to three infantry squads so you can play it just tanks or you could throw some infantry in there too it's all, all about the points you want to spend but i thought it might be fun i've been having the urge to play some six millimeter again 
and and at the same time the urge to play six millimeter world war ii so i thought oh i already know these rules maybe i'll just try it that sounds fun yeah so is that why they offer i think you've got listed a uh a, a three tank set of matildas is that that's for, are they releasing kind of lines geared towards that that's yeah that's for tank war yeah you couldn't use three matildas okay. in a regular bolt action game right but you can in tank war however i have to put an asterisk on that there are some tournaments and some games where they'll allow you to take more than one platoon so you're only allowed one tank in a platoon and but you can have multiple platoons most people never do it's very rare that you see it but in bigger tournaments where it's 1500 points or more they might say you're allowed up to two or three platoons and then it can get a little hairy because you can have you know two or three tanks but those are really those are really big games and they're very rare i'm trying to find the point cost of a matilda right now About 250 maybe? I don't know. Is it that much? I don't know. It's probably a medium. They've got like different gradients of crews. Yeah, you could do inexperienced, regular, and veterans on everything. Almost everything, I think. Uh, vehicles, infantry squads, everything. More expensive, the more experience they have, but the harder they are to kill and other small advantages to being experienced. Yeah. And the crazy thing about, um, like with, with bolt action is you can, like, there are things that I really like about my Japanese army that, that I choose to, to play a certain style. Um, and some people, when they're determined, it's like, Oh, I'd never play that, but it's, it's, it's the flavor I enjoy. It's the style I enjoy. And so, you know, some people right. are like, well, I need a tank. And I'm like, well, I, I don't want one. I don't want to deal with it, right? I'm just going to find a way to ignore your tank and play my style. So even, you know, my my basic army list versus their basic army list, we could both be playing Japanese in the same time period and the same miniatures. But I'm going to play my army the way I want to play it. And so it, it, it adds this different flavor and, and a different style. I can't find the cost of a Matilda anywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter you only get one that's what matters <laughs> so kind of along these lines I guess uh, what got each of you guys hooked on bold action compared to you know other 28 millimeter rule sets oh that's easy Alan? I didn't compare it to any other I just bought the book and said oh this is cool so, yeah, I, I can't really properly answer that question. I don't even know what other rule systems are similar. But, uh, yeah, I, I bought the book a couple of years ago and uh, read it, and I was like, oh, this is, looks easy. It looks fun. You know, I'm in. And that's... Yeah, so Alan, uh, when how I met Alan was um, I was buying some stuff for... Uh, what is that 15 millimeter flames of war flames of war Mm. Uh, and he and i start talking and i I don't know it was a couple of months into knowing each other he's like what about bolt action and so 
he bought the book and started reading it, going through it. Then I went and got the Japanese army from him. Um, and that's how it kind of just panned out. So it was really Alan's fault. I blame <laughs> all of this. So does my wife. My wife blames Alan for all of this, too. Oh, just doing my part to keep the economy alive. That's right. So, yeah, the answer to that question is I don't know. I don't know. There, I don't think there's a better rule system out there, but there might be. I don't know. I, I've read a little bit of the rules, and you know, it seems fairly intuitive um, to to pick up. You know, where where you could jump into it pretty quickly and understand what's going on. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's um, and it's different from a lot of other games where it's it's not like I go and then you go and then I go and you go. It's there's some randomness to it that makes it fun. Um, you know, the, the, the order dice pulling out randomly, that's kind of a cool thing. That is really fun. Yeah, I like that. Now, how did you get into it, uh, Michael? I mean, you've only played a couple of times, but... Uh, the times I played were at the last con with you guys. Uh, I had the, the demo game with um, Emiliano, and then we played our, our Star Wars bolt action. Um, okay. And that was... That was fun. That was the the first time I saw bolt action in act in action. Um, <laughs> it's the first. Would have picked different words if I thought ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's the um, first time you saw bolt in action, as Corey would say. <laughs> yes. <That's right. laughs> I'm going out of my way to say it correctly for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, you picked it up uh, really quick, that, right? It's it's super easy. Yeah. It's. It's not bad. The demo game, like, covered the way Emiliano introduced it. It was really nice. And the, the rule book is intimidating. If I was walking by looking at it, it's a hardcover thing that's almost an inch from cover to cover, yeah. more, less. Less, but yeah. Uh, you look at that, you don't go, that looks like an easy to pick up game. Um, yeah, you have, to, you have to realize that there's about 10 pages in there of how to play, and then the rest is armies and scenarios and, you know, mm-hmm. things, things like that. Yeah, I like that the core mechanics are very simple, and it um, there's probably some specialized stuff that we didn't engage with, or there's some different. Or you only have to learn the the rules for the gear you're bringing. Right, and right. The, the basic. It seems like it's just a lookup table. I got a guy with a machine gun. He rolls X amount of dice, and this is the number I need for good range. That's the number I need for bad range, and the rest of it's just. You know, get in cover and go engage with someone. So that's an easy, easy mechanic to pick up. You know, if you run across this open field and they're looking at you, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> that's right. easy to pick up if yeah. you played another war game. <laughs> yep. Okay. So, what is your last question? You have one more question. Yeah. Any kind of favorite uh, recollections from the game? Hmm. Uh, yeah. Any games that stood out? Yeah. And why? The, I'm I'm not a tournament player, and I don't like playing tournaments. But my best memory probably is from a tournament I played at Adepticon. It was from round one. I was playing the doubles with a friend of mine from Scotland which in itself is kind of cool because I have a friend in Scotland and we got together in Chicago to play bolt action. That's kind of cool. Um, 
we were playing against a couple of the guys from the Snafu podcast, and just all of these things together just made it so much fun. And it was just a fun game, but getting together with friends in that environment, yeah, that was that was one of my one of my best games. And and we won. And you won an award. And I won. We won that game. <laughs> That's the, the my first and last tournament win, um, and. Uh, <laughs> And then we got like the sportsmanship award uh, for our team. So yeah, that was that was good times. That was real fun. Cool. My mine was uh, when, uh, and I don't know if Michael, if you were there, but um, Alan and I and my son and one of Alan's employees, we played on one side, and some of the guys from the convention played on the other. That little tournament that you set up. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Western Desert Tournament. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I had a good time with that because it was just friends getting together, having a good time, a lot of trash talk. It was fun. I had a good time. With yeah, that. we called it a tournament, and we had prizes and stuff, but it wasn't a tournament. It was just a bunch of guys goofing off, having a good time. That was a lot of fun. Michael, were you there That's for that? I was there to see it set up, but uh, I wasn't staying in the hotel, so I went home at, that night and I missed out. I wasn't Ooh. feeling it, but Ooh. sorry I missed it. Ooh. Right? <laughs> now I have all these regrets. <laughs> <laughs> How's that working out for you? Ironically, the best game what? they ever played. Now, uh, Michael, you played in the scenario where we had the drawbridge, right? Hello. I don't think I remember the drawbridge. Oh, maybe, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't you then. I think we had the a game, Michael. Michael, the only game you've ever played was the Star Wars bolt action, right? Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was by default. That has to be the most memorable, unless I go with <laughs> the uh, the demo from awesome. Emiliano. Uh, it was a lot of fun, we, though. Essentially, all we did was we used Star Wars Legion models and played bolt action rules. Okay. Um, it was it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah you had uh, that that fan derived rule set, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, you you uh, have access to that, Corey. It's in the the magic folder. Um, it's just called okay. Bolt Action Star Wars, and there's also another one called Bolt Action Modern. If you're interested in looking at that. Okay. Those yeah, are, I will take a look. Those are definitely fun. take a look at that. So well, we've covered all all the questions you submitted uh anything else come up you got any more yeah that's that's a, a great start that's very helpful um i have a feeling i'll be placing an order in the near future <laughs> i don't know if you can see what what's sitting in my cart or not but there's there's a couple of things I'm, i've got sitting in there Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how you land on this and what you're deciding to get. So if you don't know now, at some point, will you post it up? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And document your progress, too. I'd love to okay. see that. Okay, I can do that. And I think uh, I was kind of just half-joking earlier when I said I'm going to have to drive six hours to come teach you how to play. Um, that's that's a real possibility. We should We should talk about that offline. Absolutely. To come out and yeah, or, have a or game. I'd love to come out and see uh, your new digs. Yeah, when everything's done, of course, uh, you'll be uh, you'll be invited for sure. Everybody will be. But uh, 
For yeah, I was going to say, I'll drag them out when I get out there. and There you go. But yeah, the, the easiest way to learn this game is just to sit down at a table with somebody who knows how to play and just, you know, just do it. Yeah. You know, you could read the book forever. I, but right, and I'll make sure Alan brings somebody in that knows how to play. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can <laughs> find somebody. I know a couple of people. I I figured, too, it's one of those games where, you know, you can probably check in at a local game store and, and find somebody who's playing it, you know, or, or that's got a, a set time to play. So, yeah. you know, barring, you know, my, my ability to either recruit uh, some friends into it or, or to buy two armies and recruit friends to play those armies. I figured I can, I can probably show up at a game store and, and have somebody walk me through the, uh, you know, the different hoops. Yeah. I, I did that, um, about a year or so ago back home in California with, with my employee Hayden, we went up to the local game store and just set up and said, okay, who wants to play? And we got a couple of guys and taught them how to play. And that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But you kind of need it the opposite way around. You need somebody to teach you. Correct. But uh, I think we could probably figure that out. No, but this is an awesome start. I really appreciate the opportunity to ask you guys uh, these questions and and hear what you had to say. Cool. All right. Well, we're um, we're definitely well over an hour here, so we should probably uh, cut this off unless anybody's got any final thoughts on anything. Um, I do not, sir. Okay. All right. That's easy. Uh, so we're going to talk about the, the mission models paints, but do you want to do that next time? Uh, yeah, we'll do that next time. Uh, I'll just mention now that I bought a couple of mission models paints and I've been playing with them and they're pretty awesome. Um, but I'll, yeah, we'll do that next time. We'll do a whole, I'll do a whole sort of thing on it. And by then I think I'll have them in the store and that'll probably be a, a better time for it. Nice. Okay. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun, and I thank you all for participating. And I think I think we have a new bolt action player, so that's a good thing. Hey, it was nice meeting you, Corey. You as well. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you all later, and keep on gaming.